Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Glad you are all here, because if you've been around for a while, you know whenever Pastor Will ends a series, he's going to take a little break. And you guys knew that, and y'all still showed up, so thank y'all very much. I feel so loved and appreciated. If you are new here with us, thank y'all. I'll pay y'all later. Uh, my mom is in the crowd. No, um, thank y'all. But uh, if you're new with us, my name is Sean, and I'm the executive pastor here. And uh, Pastor Will will be back next week, and he's kicking off a brand new series that I think you're really going to enjoy. Uh, it's called uh, Renovating Your Heart. I think the artwork's going to come up there in just a second. And what we're going to be looking at in this series is, you know, we're told that we are going to be the image of Jesus. We're being transformed in the image of Jesus. How many of you feel like you're the image of Jesus? You can be a brag. Okay, come on, go ahead. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, so Pastor Will is going to show us how God uses to transform us into the image of Jesus. That isn't just a saying, that is something that we are promised. And so come back next week, you're going to really enjoy it. Um, I know you will, something Pastor Will has been looking forward to sharing with you guys for quite a while. So come back next week. This morning, I want to ask you a simple question. What is God up to? Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on, and what is our purpose here? I mean, what is the big picture? What is God doing? Because I, I don't know. And when that, when that thought kind of comes into my head, I immediately find ways to distract myself. You know? I go get something to eat. I go watch Netflix. I do anything but try and really ponder that question because it just seems too big. I mean, is there really even an answer? I mean, come on. How can we know? That? I mean, hasn't society, haven't really great minds been trying to ponder what is our purpose here? What are we trying to do? And no one's really come up with a good answer. I mean, can there really be an answer out there for this question? There is. There is. God tells us. He's not shy about telling us. He tells us exactly what our purpose is for. He tells us exactly why he creates us. And I think if we know this and come to understand this truth, man, it could clear up so much for us. It could really spur us on to even greater things. So do you want to know what our purpose is? Yes? No? You got a mask on, so you can still shake your head. It's okay. I love it. All right. So yes, we want to know what it is. Well, in Genesis, the very first chapter, he tells us. So he's not hiding this thing. God makes a lot of stuff happen in Genesis. He creates a lot of things. And on the sixth day, he creates idols. Right? Yeah? I know this is supposed to be a trick question. It's what he did. I'm not joking. On the sixth day, he created idols. I'll prove it to you. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, it says this, And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over livestock and all the wild animals and all of the creation that moves on the ground. He goes on to say, so that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule, <clears throat> rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Excuse me, I'm going through puberty. So, <laughs> right here, he tells us, what was an idol? And what is this term, image of God, really saying? Well, in the ancient world, only two things um, were referred to um, as being image bearers. They were either idols or kings. So in the ancient world, that phrase, image bearer of God, was reserved for only two things, either an idol or a king. Now then, the Hebrew word that we translate as image is salim. But salim is also translated as idol in other parts of the Bible. So what was God creating on the sixth day? Idols. We are his idol. So let's unpack what an idol and what a king represented, because Genesis is telling us something, something very powerful here that we cannot overrun and we cannot look out. Idols in the ancient world functioned as embodiments and the reflection of God. The idol also stood representing, or as a representation of God's power and presence. So whenever somebody created, it had a purpose. It was to reflect the image of the God. So that's why God, I mean, idols that were made out of wood or made out of clay, they were made to look like the God they represented. And when God made us, he made us to look like the God we represent, him. They also were to symbolize the God's power and the God's presence. So when the world saw us, when the rest of creation saw us, they saw, he wanted them to see his power and know that he was among them, just in us. Now then, the idol was never mistaken as the actual deity itself, just as a reflection of the deity. Kings also were image bearers of the gods. And kings represented the authority and the rule of the gods. So the kings were individuals who were called out by God, set aside separately for a purpose, and that purpose was to serve and to rule and to care for the kingdom. We see this in the pharaohs, we see this uh, in, in other uh, regions, and we even see it in Judaism. Whenever the kings are first started, David gets called out to rule over and to be uh, an example, an image bearer of God to the people of Israel. So kings had a purpose, and they were to carry the image of God. So what is Genesis telling us? That not just kings and not just idols that we are to be image bearers of God. You see, 
when we hear that word a lot of times, you may have heard it taught that, that image bearers of God, what they're saying there is that we have a brain, we have a soul like God does, we have the ability to create like God does, and all those things are true. None of that's wrong. That's not false teaching. But it doesn't tell us the why we were created in His image. It doesn't tell us what God is trying to do by creating us in His image. But He had a purpose, and He had a plan. Um, Generos, I mean, Genesis tells us that humans were created with a purpose, not just unique, but vocationally set apart. There was something we were to do for him, different than any other thing he created. We had a role to play. We were to be priestly kings. Priestly kings. Humans were made to be priestly kings, and like kings, all humans were meant to rule and reign on God's behalf. We were called to submit to God's definition of good and evil. And guess what? You know what? By chapter 3, we fell, the second part. By chapter 3 of Genesis, we're not doing this one. And because of that, we lose our place, lose our purpose. The thing that we were created to do we validated our ability to do it by not trusting what God said was good and what was evil. That still doesn't mean that we validate what we were intended to be. It just means we invalidate our purpose and we no longer could do it. We were also intended, with our ruling and reigning, called to advance the creation. When I read Genesis, it's very clear. Adam and Eve were to multiply. They were to increase the garden. The garden just wasn't going to stay the way God had made it. God intended for the garden to grow because Adam and Eve's um, offspring were going to grow and they were going to push the garden out until eventually the Garden of Eden would have covered the whole world if we wouldn't have kicked ourselves out of the garden. But we kicked ourselves out, so therefore the garden couldn't grow. But we had a purpose. God wanted to use us to extend his garden. You ever thought about that? You ever realize that's your purpose? not only to be his image bearers, to reflect his image to the rest of the world, but also to rule, to have dominion over. God had big plans for humanity. There's more. Not only were we called to be peacefully freings, we were called uh, to be priests. Before we get to that, I want to share with you in Psalms 8. I just, it just reminded me in the back. Psalms 8 says this, 8 through 4, and it's a really beautiful verse. The psalmist is speaking about this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and with honor. You made them to rule over the works of your hand, and you put everything under their feet, 
the flocks and the herds, the animals and the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim the paths of the seas. The psalmist knew it, but we don't know it. Are we living this out? Are we living out what he's called us to do? Are we fulfilling our purpose? Humans weren't only meant to rule and reign. We're meant to rule and reign and to be a royal... So humans are meant to be royalty. By ruling and reigning, we are meant to be royalty. And we hear this all the time, that we're sons and daughters, and that we are brothers and sisters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do we take it seriously? Do you realize... That if you're a believer in Jesus and you live in his kingdom, that you are royalty? Given the power of royalty? Given the respect of royalty? That's what Jesus did for us. He also had much more. Along with this, Humans reign responsibility. We are meant to be priests. In the Old Testament, priests were assigned to take care of sacred spaces within the temple and the tabernacle. Now, we weren't supposed to wear pious robes and all that good stuff, but we were supposed to take care of sacred places. Genesis 2 tells us this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of See, Adam and Eve were put in a sacred place where God met them. They were put there to care for that garden, to oversee that garden, to expand that garden, just as a priest would at the temple, to take care of the things where God intersects with people. So not only are we called to be his image bearer, not only are we called to be a king or a queen, We're called to be a priest. This is what God made you to be. This is your purpose. Nothing else. You have a grand calling on your life. He wants so much for us. But you may be sitting out there going, wait a second. This all sounds nice, Sean. I mean, like pie-in-the-sky stuff, but have you seen humanity? We can't rule anything. I wouldn't trust any of us to do any of this. I mean, that was a nice little thing the writers of Genesis wrote, but I don't really think this is possible. And I would agree with you. Except for one thing. Jesus. The truest human was Jesus. You see, in Jesus, we get a perfect reflection of God. In Jesus, we see him ruling as God would rule. We see him caring as God would care for. Jesus is calling us out to something greater. He's restoring us to our position that we were always meant to be in, and he's giving us an example of what this looks like because he's constantly teaching us, hey guys, what you're used to, it's all going away. 
I've got a new kingdom coming. And in this kingdom, this is how we're going to act. These are the things we are going to do. In God's kingdom, the last will be first. Loving your enemy uh, will be a top priority. The unlikely will be blessed. And those who want to lead must serve. These are what you will do in the kingdom. This is how we will interact with each other in the kingdom. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he not only forgave our sins, he placed us back in our position. Our position of royalty. Our position of honor. He placed us to the place we were always meant to be. God did not mess up when he gave us this authority. And he sent his son to die to give us this authority back. Do you think he thinks it's important? We walk around wondering, is God good? And he wants to give us the keys to the kingdom. He's doing everything he can to not only show that he loves us, but to share his power with us. And then we get to the end of the story. At the end of the Bible, John sees all these different visions. You know what he sees most? He sees we're going to be back in a garden. Just like in Eden, God is establishing a new garden. And in that garden, it is so much bigger than the garden before it. You know what our responsibility is? Let's look. Romans 5 says this, You have made them a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. This is what we're going to do in eternity. We will reign. We will serve. We will create. God is sharing his creation with us and says, let me see what you do with it. I believe that you have transformed into someone who will do something great in my kingdom. That is what God is up to. That is what God is trying to do in us. Why? Why? Why would God go to all this trouble? Why would he do all of this? Why would he ask his son to pay the ultimate price? Why would he share his authority with us? Why would he give us the ability to create? Why would he call us kings and queens? Why would he do all of this? Do we really not know? Is there no one in your life that you love so much? Do you want to share everything you have with them? That's what God wants to do. He loves us so much. He wants to share everything with us. He says, I created you for this purpose. For you to be my image bearer. For you to rule in my name for you to take care of, for you to create. 
Guys, all of creation is painting a beautiful picture, a work of art called love. Jesus coming to us is reflecting God's love back at us. And his voice is calling out, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are majestic, you are perfectly made. And that's hard to hear. It's so much easier for us to hear, you worthless sinner. We pick that up easily. Because if we really believe that God has made us his most beautiful creation, there's responsibility that comes along with that. Because beauty attracts those who see the beauty. Beauty requires something of you. Because when you're beautiful, you have to share with those who see God's beauty in you the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, and the gentleness God is growing in you. You have to take off the garment of shame and pain and doubt and fear and anxiety that we wear so well. But guys, it's not easy to be beautiful. But that's what you are. You are God's most beautiful creation. So we've got to stop praising God for the beauty we see in nature if we can't praise Him for the beauty we see in us. Guys, He wants so much more for us. But we will never step in to the power and the authority that He's given to us unless we see ourselves through His eyes. So how do we do this? How, how do we rule? How do we, how do we care for in his name. What does, that, what does that look like? There once was this incredible master gardener known far and wide for the, for the gardens that they built. They were, they were beautiful. And people came from all over. They traveled to, to see the works of this master builder. And, and one day, the city where this, where this uh, master gardener lived, the city officials came to him and said, hey, there's this old abandoned lot in town. Would you just take that on as a, a project for us? And he said, yeah, sh- sure, I will. And so he had this apprentice who had been working for him for years, who followed everything the master gardener did, who had learned and tried to emulate everything they'd done. And, and he went to his apprentice and he said, hey, there's this, there's this abandoned lot. Why don't you see what you can do with it? Here's some tools. Here's the address. Go see what you can do. So the apprentice ran off, and a few years later, the, the city officials came back to the master gardener's um, workshop and knocked on the door, and he came and they just started praising him. They was like going, oh my goodness, we never imagined you would do something so incredible on that lot. Not only have you transformed the lot, but the whole neighborhood that was being run down and would all but was dead, it's, it's been revitalized. It's incredible. And the master guard just said thank you and sent them on their way. And he immediately set out to see what all the talk was about. And as he got to the neighborhood, a big smile came over his face because he could see these buildings that, yeah, they, were, they once were old, but now they've been revitalized. Each of them were painted beautiful colors, and in every of the windows, there were these window boxes with these flowers just draping down, just incredible. 
There were kids playing and running everywhere, and their parents were shopping in the shops and visiting with neighbors and, and the sidewalks. All the cracks had been done, and the pathway to the garden was so clear and so smooth. And as he walked up to the garden, he was just overtaken. His senses just couldn't believe the layer of beauty, the depth and the richness of the aroma. As he walked in the garden, people just came up to him, praising him and thanking him. He just smiled, and as he continued on, he saw that there were teachers teaching his philosophy of gardening to others in the garden. And as he continued wandering through it, he was just amazed that he'd never been on that plot of land, but he had to admit his fingerprints were all over it. In the back of the garden, there was his apprentice. Been over a small patch of new flowers, carefully picking out the little weeds from the buds. And as the shadow cast over the apprentice, she just smiled because she knew the presence of the master. She began to praise him without even turning around, saying, Thank you, master. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for how you've helped me grow this place. Thank you for all that you've poured into me that I could pour into this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And such joy. He just said to her, I'm just so impressed with all you've done here. And what made you decide to expand your work into the neighborhood to help revitalize the rest of the neighborhood? She just smiled at him and said, I just felt like that's what you would have done. He just looked at her with a big grin. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Caring for someone's creation is just another name for love. Loving what someone loves is worship. Imitating someone is the highest form of praise. beginning of scripture tells us what our purpose is god has set it out jesus has set a course to make it to where we can regain our purpose god wants so much for us he wants us to take our place to rule the area he wants us to rule, to be his image bearers. Pastor Will is going to teach us in the next few weeks how we can be transformed so that we can confidently say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, just as Jesus did. Because that's what he's offering to us. This isn't something that happens when we die. It happens now. All we've got to do is take our place. To take God at his word. To step in to our royal position. That's what he wants for us. That's what Jesus died for us. And that's the purpose we've always meant to have. I'm going to have the band come out and sing one more song for us and as they're getting ready and setting up i'm just gonna ask you a couple questions number one what is your garden what have you been put in charge of what are you supposed to care for 
and reflect the image of God too. Is it a child? Is it a spouse? Is it a parent? Is it a family member? Is it a roommate? Is it a workplace? God has given us the power to be his representatives. How are we doing it? God desperately wants us to share in his glory, to wear his crown proudly, and to reflect his image so purely that the world can't help but be changed. Just think what it would be like if each of us reflected God's image to the space we've been given. The world would radically change. The song we're going to sing is called So Am I by Hillsong. And if you know it, I would encourage you to sing it out. It is a song of praise and worship. And if you don't know it, I would encourage you to go home and download it and to make it an anthem of your life. But it is a song of praise. It's a song that reminds us that we are his most beautiful creation and that he died so that we may have a love relationship with him. And he loved us so much. He would do it a hundred billion times over and over again. Let's stand and sing.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.